Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Whether it's physical, geographical, or spiritual, transitions are a natural part of life. And if you walk with Jesus for long enough, he's going to ask you to move. Because we serve a God who is always present and always at work, it means there is, an always, there is always an invitation for us to stop what we're doing and join him in what he is doing. Sometimes joining him feels small, like following the prompt to speak a kind word, to serve or to give. Other times, joining him feels massive like embarking on a new career, moving to a different city, or starting a family. While some transitions are more life-defining than others, one thing is always true. Movement brings maturity. This is why God places such a high value on transitions. And we see this outworked throughout the Bible, because it doesn't always require faith for us to remain where we are comfortable. Transition brings growth. And because his heart is always for our maturity, our Father will always invite us into transition. So this morning, we wanted to do something a little different in order to unpack this topic a little further. Today, I have the immense pleasure of inviting Rajni, and we are going to sit down and share her story. Rajni and her husband, Michael, have been part of our faith community for almost four years. They serve on our prayer teams and as connect group leaders. Rajni has a wonderful testimony that speaks of the faithfulness of God throughout significant transitions in her life. And as we've learned throughout this series so far, stories are powerful. So this morning, we're going to take a look at three defining transitions in Rajni's life, finding faith, marriage, and moving countries, and unpack her walk with God in those seasons. Our hope this morning that in Rajani's story, you might find yourself or somebody that you know and love and recognize, recognize those threads of God's goodness and faithfulness in what we talk about in your own story so that it brings hope and builds faith for where you're at and for your journey ahead. So please join me in welcoming Rajani. So welcome. Oh, thank you. It's good to have you here. Thank you so much for being willing yes. to join me this morning. Yeah, thank you for all the encouragement over the last few weeks. Uh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> it's good. I'm Nobody's just... watching. You're okay. Thank yeah. Um, uh, I've just told um, Megan that I'm, I'll be only looking at her yeah, all through yes. the service. It's not personal. Her. She's just going to be looking at me. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. Um, thank you, Megan, for that lovely introduction. Um, well, uh, it's what a joy it is to share the faithfulness of God with my Gateway family this morning. I was um, born to a Christian mother and a Hindu father. And I'm the youngest of three. Uh, I lost my mom when I was 11 months old baby, 
so I don't know much about her, and <laughs> well, I've just seen the photos and all. Um, I mean, for God to take hold of me at that young age had to be something very great, and uh, yeah, it had to be his faithfulness. Um, so I grew up as a Hindu. Going to the temples was very normal, and worshiping idols, uh, it was fun. I mean, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, well, so it was mostly the Hindu influence at home. Mom was not there, so. Well, I think when I was eight years old, uh, went to see my aunt, my mom's younger sister, uh, and then she told us about Jesus. She introduced us to Jesus, the Jesus who had the power to throw you into hell, and you know, if you don't know him, and uh, if you worshipped idols. So that was the Jesus that I got introduced to. But anyways, we came back home, me and my siblings, started getting rid of all the idols at home, and my grandparents were not very pleased with that, <laughs> nor did my father. They're like, they were, they were thinking, what's wrong with this? Children, you know, they just went to the vacation and they've, they're so different now. They've come back doing all different, different things. And we stopped accepting the food offered to idols because uh, my aunt had told that if, you did, if, you, if we ever did accept the food offered to idols, and we would go to hell, you know. That's, that's the kind of uh, introduction that I had uh, about Jesus. Um, yeah, so that's... So you were raised in a Hindu home. Your mum was a Christian. We talked a little bit about how, despite the fact that the majority of your family were Christians, uh, were Hindus, you actually have an incredible Christian legacy, um, starting with your great-grandparents. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, so this is from my mum's side. My great-grandparents, they got to know Jesus uh, through a healing. Uh, so my great-grandfather was uh, paralyzed, and they went to all different temples and few other places of worship, uh, but nothing changed. Uh, there was this pastor who was walking in that street, and then he, he just, uh, he, well, he was evangelizing, and he, he wanted to come and pray. When he came and prayed, he, my great-grandfather was healed of all the paralysis, and that brought them to Jesus. So the family was predominantly Hindu, but then they converted, they, they became this converted Christians. And uh, yeah, so, but then there was an issue. Uh, even though you're a Christian, there's something called caste system in India. So, well, my grandmother, out of fear of the rest of the family, she's a great Christian, she's my darling, and, uh, but I think she had her own issues when uh, she got all her daughters married to Hindu men. Yeah, it was just my aunt who ran away from the family and got married to a Christian. <laughs> and your aunt's marriage was the first love marriage in your yes. family. Yeah, there is no concept of love marriage in the family. I mean, it's not something that the family would ever like to, <laughs> yeah. But she, yes, she did get out of the family and got married to this Christian who, who according to my rest of the family, was an outcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know from, from stories within your family that your mother was a prayer warrior. Yes. Yeah, I've heard a lot about um, my mom being a prayer wa warrior and how she used to fast and pray so that my father could come to know Jesus and the rest of the family. But then she passed away, and the family mostly blamed God for her death. They're like, if your God was real, if Jesus was real... How could he do something like that? Why didn't he save 
mm. your mother. Mm. Yeah. And that's been one of the biggest barriers your father yes. has faced yes. in reconciling the death of his beloved wife with a, with a loving God. Yes, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame my dad for that. He's a great father, but then he went through that heartbreak of losing mom and having to look after three kids. But then we had so much love. Yes, there was, mom was not there, but grandparents were great. It's such a blessing. <laughs> and aunts, uncles, and you're always surrounded with so much of love, but they still had that question of why did, you know, Jesus take your mom away? And um, my, my dad didn't really uh, like the concept of coming to know Jesus or anything to do with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So you, you became a Christian with your siblings about eight years old, and, and that's, that's big for anyone, but doing it in a, in a Hindu home, not surrounded really by Christian influences other than your aunt and her family, how did you walk with God through that new season at such a young age? Well, it, I didn't know anything about it because all I knew was she gave me a Bible and I was just reading this New Testament. I think every new convert gets a <laughs> New Testament. So I was just reading this New Testament and uh, I didn't know what I was reading, but I was just reading the Bible and uh, I didn't go to church. For me, all church, I, I didn't know the difference between the different denominations or anything. I had no idea. I would just go to any church, even light the candles. <laughs> so yeah, but um, I think it was the faithfulness of God that took hold of me at that young age. And, and later on, um, I, my, my dad, he put me in this Christian boarding, Christian boarding school. They didn't like uh, Jesus, but they loved the Christian convents and the boarding because, you know, there's a lot of discipline and, um, and all those things. But I think in the hindsight, God was preparing me in that place because I had a great time with God. We had this morning prayers, evening prayers, and reading the Bible, unpacking the Bible with different stories. So, yeah, that was one of the ways that I got to know more about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and your a... siblings, that brought you incredibly close. Absolutely. I mean, they were more like my, my father and my mother, my brother, my brother who lives in Bangalore and um, my sister who lives in Germany. I mean, they're, they're amazing. Yeah, I'm so thankful to God for them in my life. Yeah. Something you mentioned when we were um, preparing for this, that where you found loss in your life, whether that's your mother or family or anything, when you look back, you actually see in different ways that you perhaps didn't recognize at the time that God put people and situations in place that would be what you needed it to be um, and that he became your source of, of what was lacking. Yes. Um, yes, Megan. Um, yeah, I mean... He put right people at the right time in my life to encourage me, to build me in my faith. Uh, and I don't remember going to Sunday school or going to church on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, I think it was just him. I mean, yes, although I was introduced to the God who could put me into hell if I didn't worship him, but he became my friend as I journeyed through. He introduced himself to me as this good friend. Yeah, and yeah. And reading the Word of God was really what sustained you in, in learning about who he was. It was through his Word. Yes, it was through his Word. And later part of my life, I think it was a different church that I went to. I mean, every place of, uh, 
as I said, I didn't know any idea about, I didn't have any idea about the denominations and all that. But I just went to these churches and then um, God was so real. I mean, it was a place where I could build my faith. When you don't have a family backing you up in faith. Yeah, so it was this wonderful people who God placed in my life to build me. Yeah. yeah. Your father is still a Hindu. Yes. But... God's working on him. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm so amazed um, when I call him and I just let him know, you know, what, this is what happened, Dad, and this, this, this. And he says, and for him to say, it is the grace of God, I'm like, wow. He's the same father who used to throw the Bible away. Uh, and he's the same dad now who reads Psalm 91. He reads only Psalm 91 for some reason, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I've asked him to read a few other scriptures. I've asked him to read some, Psalm 119 and uh, also Proverbs and uh, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I think I've come a lo- he's come a long way from where he was dealing with the loss of my mother and to see the faithfulness of God in our lives. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah. So you... you- finish school and you go to university and you study biomedical engineering. I knew I wouldn't remember that. Um, And you finish your studies and you're 21 and you find, right, next next stage of your life, what, what do you do? Well, I wanted to get out of home. I wanted to be this independent person where I could earn and live on my own, not be protected and looked after all the time. Uh, so... And then I moved to Hyderabad. <laughs> I never wanted to move to Hyderabad. This is always me. I don't like change. Um, so I was very comfortable and happy in Bangalore. I loved my city. But and I how far, sorry, is Bangalore from Hyderabad? Close to seven and a half, eight hours by road. Um, and then it's like, okay, I couldn't find a job. I mean, they were asking for experience. But anyways, I ended up moving to Hyderabad and um, uh, went to this great church. I was introduced to this church called Community Church, Twin Cities. Well, my faith in the Lord grew so beautifully. Um, I got to learn a lot about Jesus and about walking with him. I was water baptized, and um, I was cruising in my faith. I can say that because I was working for this hospital as a biomedical engineer, and my role was to troubleshoot the medical equipment, but I was not interested much on those of course, I was doing my job, as <laughs> but I was more interested in the patients. Uh, when I looked at them and I thought, oh, they are suffering. It's not like here where, you know, you pay a lot of money to get the right treatment. And yeah, I was, um, I, I just wanted to go and pray for them. You so. thought, you, you mentioned that you thought, well, God can do a better, doc, a better job than the doctors, so I may as well pray for all the I, patients. Absolutely. I, I, um, well, I just go to church on a Sunday, and then, you know, when you receive the word, and I wanted to bring that word to the hospital, and just go and um, say, there was this, uh, I remember, um, of many things that God has done, of many answered prayers. One of them was, uh, I went to this uh, patient, and I said, well, well, how about we claim Romans 8:11, which talks about the spirit of the Lord who raised Jesus from the death is the same spirit that is living in us and can raise our mortal bodies. And I've seen God do amazing things. Um, and I think it was his faithfulness and he was building my faith at that point that I, I could pray and I've seen people being healed and not because I prayed because 
God was so real. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we, we talked about it, and it's the part of the journey that I, I found in, incredibly impactful was you're in Hyderabad, and, and life is good, and your relationship with God is in this sweet spot. And because of that, you commit at that stage with God to a life of celibacy. Absolutely. And singleness. <laughs> yeah. Tell us. I, it's like, wow, it was going great. I mean, every time I pray and then there's an answer, it's like, wow, it's, I was on a different level. <laughs> so it's like, okay, this is so good. I wanted to become a celibate and be a single and just serve and ch- serve it. I wanted to just make little money and then go back to church and serve. And uh, so that's where I was. And I went to my pastor, the pastor of church, and I told her that, you know what, I, this is what I wanted to do. And then she's like, okay. She didn't say anything. She just said, okay. <laughs> and yeah. then I guess the next transition, which sort of put a kibosh on, on that plan, was Michael. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So everything was going fine. I never wanted to get married because uh, I thought if... If I, get, if I ever had to get married, you know, this man would come and control. And I never wanted to be controlled. Like, you know, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do, <laughs> of course. And I thought me and God, we were a good team. Uh, and, uh, and I just, I just didn't... I, I just didn't want anything to come in between. But then when I met Michael, things changed. The idea of celibacy just went out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. So, um, so, so tell us about that. It's, it's, it's funny in hindsight, but um, your walk with God, I mean, that's a significant U-turn, essentially, to, to really commit to this path. And then, you know, God seemingly brings this man in and it's like, whoa, 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 this was not our plan. Yeah, I mean, there was a point in my life where I realized something is not wrong because God is not the priority in my life at the moment. <laughs> You know, this, I think about Michael all the time. Because, <laughs> and then I, I remember going to, I had this conversation with Michael when I, when I told him, you know what, something has changed. And uh, let me pray about this. And I wanted a confirmation from the Lord whether this was right for me, whether, you know, yeah, I was at a point where I loved him so much and then I wanted to commit. And uh, we started dating and everything, and, but I wanted to commit take it to the next level. And that's when I told Michael that I wanted to pray uh, and ask God whether it was his will for me. Um, And then I prayed. As I was praying, it's funny how God speaks um, through the scripture. And uh, this verse came up, Michael, the archangel. It's like, wow. (laughs) I so wanted God to answer me and uh, I didn't expect such a direct answer. Yeah. One of the beautiful parts of that journey is as you sort of reconciled meeting Michael and and falling in love with him is that God really shifted your understanding of marriage and the role of husband. Um, Tell us about that, how you you made a list. Yes. Uh, So before meeting Michael um, at church, I used to volunteer at church and attended the seminar called Singles for Christ very different. The talk is nowhere related to what I did actually in the seminar. And uh, so part of the seminar was um, we had to design our spouse, a partner, uh, and to write down the physical, emotional, and spiritual qualities 
of a spouse. I was like, well, I, I didn't have, at that time I was still wanted to be a celibate, so it's like, I anyways ended up doing, I thought, okay, let me set the standard so high, physical, okay, emotional, and the spiritual. And then I had made this checklist, and I thought, if my family would ever come back to me and say, you know, well, we are seeing this person for you, and I'll go, I'll take my checklist, and I'll say, you know, but I knew that no one could match the checklist because, yeah, I, I had done a good job in setting it <laughs> very yeah, amazing. high. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And then he oh, and then, brings Michael and yeah, and blows then, it out of the water. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, we did a, we attended a Bible school, um, Menorah Bible school together at church, Michael and I, and we were just friends, more than friends, and then... I, through this journey, I, my checklist was getting ticked, and I was like, yeah, it was amazing how God answered, you know, during that phase. Yeah, he, I mean, I don't know what to say, but <laughs> yeah, I'm just thankful to God that uh, he brought Michael into my life. Yeah, yeah amazing. So, um, you I started dating, and you've been dating for six months, and then Michael leaves to move to New Zealand? I was heartbroken, because uh, I was happy and single and enjoying my life, and then God brought this man into my life, and, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden, he's moving to New Zealand. And uh, I remember dropping him at the airport. The next day, I went back to work, and all I did was I just sat in one place. I didn't move. For eight hours, I didn't work, I didn't do anything. I just sat in my workshop, and I was just like, I was just like this. I didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, I felt like, yes, a part of me was taken out, you know. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to deal with um, his absence. And how did you work that through with God? Um, I didn't know what to do at that point because I was in a place where I had to convince my family that he was the right person for me. And they didn't... Not, I think it was only my sister, my brother, and one of my aunt who had met, who had met uh, Michael, sorry. And um, the rest of the family, it was important for me to get approval from uh, my grand grandmother um, and the rest of the family as well. But then for a three and, uh, sorry, I think I just skipped a little bit of it. Um, <laughs> well, uh, it was hard. Then I... I just went back to church, and I was surrounded by this amazing team. You know, my pastor, she, was, she stood like a pillar of strength for me during that time, during that phase. Because all I did was just cry and cry and cry. It became like a crybaby where I was, like, I was thinking about Michael and I was just cry and this, yeah. But I think, um, yeah, God helped me overcome that um, whatever discouragement mm. that I was going through at that time. Because yeah. what we know now that you didn't know then was that Michael would be away for three and a half years and you wouldn't see him at all during that time. Yes, I didn't see him for three and a half years and I didn't know how long the time was going to be. But then uh, something that we did during that three and a half years was we always, um, we, had, we used to video chat and uh, we would pray every day. A lot of people said that long-distance relationship is not going to go well. And uh, there were so many doubts and all. And then I had this family 
they were so annoyed with me that uh, I was doing something like this because they never expected me to. And they were go still the bringing you um, potential marriage options throughout that whole time. Yes, yeah. I was so annoyed with them because, um, well, I love this man and I want to get married to this man, <laughs> but then they keep bringing so-called proposals and all. It's like, ah, oh, it was hard to deal with. Um, yeah, I thought the best way is to just stay away from everybody and, uh, yeah, I don't know what I did. Yeah, but then I thank God for that he sustained me during that time, yeah. Something that we talked about was now that you look back at that season, that three and a half years, as hard as it was, it actually was a an integral season for you without Michael, that God really worked on some things in your life that had you not been in that situation of isolation and without distractions, sorry, um, <laughs> that he wouldn't have been able to go so deep with you in particular areas. Yes. Um, to name that area, it is called insecurity. <laughs> I was such an insecure girlfriend. Um, every time I saw a new friend on his Facebook, or uh, this photos of, you know, this good-looking girls, and uh, it's like, wow, they are good. <laughs> they look great. <laughs> I mean, like, he had every reason. I, w I had every reason to be insecure, because I thought maybe I was not good enough. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, and then God had to deal with me during that phase. I remember uh, going to church, and um, this the sermon was on Song of Solomon, <laughs> of all the, um, and it says, I think it is chapter four, which talks about, you are my darling, there is no spot in thee. I was like, yes, Lord, I am special, I'm unique, and um, if you have brought us together, there's nothing that's going to stand. Yeah, it's, and I had to trust God and, and believe that, you know, to overcome my insecurity at that time. Yeah, the times when I used to feel I was not good enough, but yeah, I think God just reassured me that, um, yeah, I was the I was truth the best. of His word. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's now having walked through that. That has never been something that's ever you've taken into your marriage, which is amazing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm so thankful to God that was dealt with. That area of insecurity was dealt with. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have any insecurities about my marriage at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> praise God. Nor will I. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so the three and a half years, in that time after about 18 months that Michael had been away, you got engaged over the phone. Yes, yeah. Um, and then about 18 months later, Michael comes home because you're going to get married. Um, and so you, you get married, and then the, the next big transition happens. Yes. And then, um, well, just before getting, having to get married, and we had decided the date and everything. But then I was like, I never wanted to move to New Zealand. That was not my plan. Like always, I never want to move. You know, I always tell God that I don't want to go here. I don't want to go there. And then... I said, Lord, I fasted and prayed, and I thought God would listen to me, and because, and uh, I did a lot of things to tell God that, you know, you this were is right what I want. Yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. and because I had a great job, a wonderful church, and just the idea of leaving the family and moving to another country and having to start everything from scratch, I was like, nah, this is not going to work. Like, you know, uh, everything is set, everything is right, why should I move? Um, so, I did 
uh, struggle during that phase. The idea of moving to New Zealand was something that I really struggled, yeah. And we did get married, and then I finally made up my mind because God was not answering my prayers. As, uh, well, I thank God for not answering my prayer. <laughs> now I thank God for, for not answering my prayer. And then I moved to New Zealand. Um, um, well, when I landed in Christchurch, sorry to say this, but then uh, I was like, I was taken back, the airport was so small, um, and <laughs> I was like, this is an international airport, I was in and out, I was like, wow, okay. And then the city was so quiet, and, and it, there's so much of greenery, I mean, we don't have so much of greenery in our cities back in India, and like, it's like no high-rise buildings and all, you know, it's like, where am I? Like, well, I was like, God, where did you bring me? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> how am I going to find work in this small place? <laughs> yeah, so I, I was like, okay. Anyways, um, it's a beautiful place. Um, but yeah, I was just, uh, and then I went to church. My, I, was, I felt so empty. I remember sitting inside the church and all I did was just cry because I had a great church back in India. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, I go to this place, and then I was like, Lord, where did you bring me? I mean, from a place of abundance to nothing. Like, you know, I just, you know my plan of how my plan of staying back in India was much better than doing this. Uh, so everything just made me feel like this was not right. This was not right. And, and what to, did you feel God was saying or was he not saying anything? Nothing at all. I mean, like, I just don't know what, <laughs> what he was doing during that phase in my life because I was so used to being um, taught at church and, you know, being surrounded with family, being protected and all these things. And Michael was great. I mean, he took me around. He showed me he took me across South Island. It's so beautiful, so gorgeous. But then I didn't have a job. I was looking for work for a very long time. I couldn't find a job. And I started to think, well, will I ever get a job? And um, it was hard. It was really hard. And because I never wanted to be a dependent kind of a person. So, and then to add to that, um, there's this prophet who comes and who prophesies over us. That was hard. I mean, I, I, I didn't go to him to get prophesied, uh, but then he came and he spoke to Michael and... This was in the church in Christchurch? Uh, this was not in the church. We just happened to go for some meeting to a friend's place and uh, they invited us over. That Okay. And then he said, God has brought you from south of India to south of New Zealand to establish you. I was like heartbroken after that prophecy because... Lord, this is not what I want, because church was very important for me, um, a place where I can, where I can, my faith can be nurtured, because I was in, I was shattered, I, mean, I was going through a bad phase during that time, so it's like I wanted to be nurtured in a place, so I rejected every word of that prophecy, I went back, I prayed, and I said, no, this cannot happen, because <laughs> uh, back in India, when we were, um, learning when we were doing our Menorah Bible School, we were taught that whatever prophecy that you receive, you take it back to your pastor. Because he's the shepherd, he or she, they are the shepherds. And they know you better than, uh, yes, he's a prophet, he's a man of God. They can prophesy over you, but then whatever prophecy that we receive, we would just take it back to church. And then 
and they would pray over us. Yeah, something, but then I missed that because I couldn't call anybody as my pastor where I could just go back to them and say, well, can you pray for me? Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. So you move from Christchurch to the, to the Waikato. Yeah, and then I got this job. Uh, there was this job opening and then moved to Hamilton. Uh, as I said, um, I was not very happy at church, but then a connect group was amazing. It's so different, and it is through our connect group uh, connections that we moved to Gateway. Like we came to know about Gateway, and uh, um, yeah, we moved to Gateway and um, started work. I was bullied at work, so bad. I didn't know what to do because <laughs> I, I, I didn't know how to handle that situation because um, it was very hard. Going to work was so hard. I remember. Um, Coming here on a Sunday morning, we would sit in the same place, Michael and I, and um, through the praise and worship, I remember my tears would just, you know, I just, all I did was just cry and cry and cry because this bullying was too much for me to handle. I hated going to work on a Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and I remember Michael dropping me to work and uh, he would pray over me and cover me, cover me with prayers before I went inside. I felt like a kid being dropped off at school. <laughs> it was hard because nothing, whatever I did, somehow they didn't like it. Um, they undermined me, undermined me a lot of times. And my, I was, my driving was bad when I started. It's not now, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and then with my job, I had to... Uh, drive around uh, across the country. Uh, uh, driving to Auckland was a nightmare. I mean, just like, Lord. <laughs> I had so much of fear uh, because of the bullying and people undermining me and saying a lot of things. Uh, you, you I said that church was literally, you would go a week, come back to church. That would give you enough energy just for the next week. And that's literally how you had to to deal with it at that time. Yeah, yeah, like I went to this kind of group and I, all I did was, you know what, please pray, please pray. It's like, okay, I come to church and then, Lord, this is too much for me to handle. I'm not able to handle this being bullied and being taken for a ride. Um, during that phase, I think um, Psalm 37, I held on to Psalm 37. It says, do not fret because of the evildoers. And it goes on to say that, rest in the faithfulness of God. I was like, well, how do I do that? Because <laughs> I was holding on to, I was gathering my weapons before I went to, ch before I went to work. And when I say weapons, <laughs> not the guns. Um, <laughs> well, it was every promise from the word of God. I just go back to God and say, well, I am your daughter. I'm the ch daughter of the most high God. Why should I be treated like this? Like I'm the, as though I'm nothing. Um, it didn't happen overnight, but then God changed. God dealt with my fear, the fear of man, the fear of woman. Uh, and, uh, and I started to become more brave. <laughs> yeah, and then he gave me success with every work, with every job that I did, there was success. It went to a point where my colleagues started asking, why don't you buy a loto? 
Um, uh, <laughs> it's like, why? It's like, you say that, you know, you don't know this, you don't know that, but everything seems to be working fine for you. It's like, well, it's the grace of God. And because anything that I do before, I mean, anything that I would do, I just pray and start my job. Like, I go, I go to troubleshoot an equipment that I have no idea about. And just stand there and say, Lord, can you give me the wisdom to deal with this? Can you give me the wisdom to work on this? And he's never failed me, not once. Yeah, and now I have a great work culture. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, amazing. God is. And your, your experience in church has, uh, there was a real shift Absolutely. Yeah, I want to thank worship team because when they led us during the praise and worship, oh man, I would just stand there and express it, my pain, my, uh, the tears, the tears of sorrow and all that pain that I was going through at that time just changed into tears of joy. I still cry, but it's out of joy. That I'm a very emotional person, so you just look at me and I start crying. <laughs> but then <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's been it's been great. I mean, coming to Gateway and we have the sense of belonging, being belong to a family. I was able to express myself, be vulnerable, and um, yeah, it's it's going great. And we're so blessed. Yeah. <laughs> so, final question. You great job job is going well, happy in church, wonderful marriage. You're now probably for the first time in a long time not in a season of transition um, and you're in a season of growing roots um, and getting settled. What excites you about the future? Oh. <laughs> well, that's a difficult question to answer because when, when everything is going well, it's easy to become complacent and take God for granted. I have done that uh, quite a few times. Um, but then I know that there are going to be challenges. Uh, I know that life is not always a bed of roses. Uh, but I know this for sure, the God who got hold of me when I was 11-month-old baby, when I was that teenager, when child, through my childhood, and through the transitions of my life, he's been so faithful, so good. And I can, I can, say this, you know, that he is going to take care of my future. Whatever comes, whatever happens, I know that he's been faithful and he'll continue to be faithful. Uh, it says in Numbers um, chapter 23, that God is not a man that he should lie. It says, he's, has he ever promised and not fulfilled it? And uh, I want to thank God. We serve an amazing God. And um, I want to live, leave with this um, scripture from Proverbs. Um, sorry, I'll read that. <laughs> um, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 24. It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. That's me at the moment. <laughs> it's the faithfulness of God that has clothed me with strength and dignity and I can laugh at the future no matter what comes. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website gatewaychurch.org.nz.